gentlemen welcome to the element of surprise my name is chadwick j suet this is the element of surprise a mentally irregular podcast this is the podcast where we just take a look at some things that maybe we've never noticed before and see why they're fucking insane you can check us out at eosmentallyirregular.podbean.com that's our hosting site we're also on Castbox and spotify uh, check us out on Facebook, www.facebook.com backslash EOS Mentally Irregular. And uh, from there, you can check out all the uh, the, fa- the main Facebook page is mainly just uh, updates on upcoming episodes and the uh, links to the episodes themselves. But you can join the EOS group, which is a lot more, uh, you know, um, how do I want to put it? You, you, there's a lot more back and forth between... Uh, Myself and the EOS Army, or the uh, Element of Surprise community. So, without further ado, let's jump right into it. I recently watched um, Return of the Jedi for probably the billionth time. And um, it, it was pointed out to me by a friend 
who said he read an article on the internet about the Ewoks being vicious, vicious cannibals. And so I rewatched Return of the Jedi uh, with that in mind. And then it, it dawned on me that, uh, holy shit, yeah, that's accurate. Because, okay, so remember, for those of you who have not seen Return of the Jedi, um, you know, maybe you're not a Star Wars person, I guess that's okay. Go watch Return of the Jedi. You don't need any context. Just watch Return of the Jedi. They meet the Ewoks. The Ewoks are the little teddy bear looking fuckers. So when they meet the Ewoks, uh, Leia meets one first and it is, uh, you know, they, they seem harmless. But then, but then later, you know, uh, Luke and Han Solo and uh, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewbacca, R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO are looking for Princess Leia. And they stumble upon a tra- They get caught in a net trap. And then uh, they're surrounded by these little Ewoks, furry teddy bear looking fuckers with spears and stuff like that. Very, very, you know, uh, uncivilized, very uh, like, you know, Indian tribey type fuckers. And, uh, you know, they they think C-3PO is a god. So they, they, they abduct Luke and R2 and Chewbacca and Han Solo and they, they take them back to their village and. Uh, C-3PO is put on a throne that they just had made, by the way. By the way, I don't think they took the time to make this throne. They have no way of communicating back to the village that, hey, we, we found our deity here. Let's, uh, let's make a throne for him out of uh, sticks and wood. But they have a throne set up for him. And from there, uh, they sit th- C-3PO on the throne, and they've got Han and Luke and everything tied up. And then uh, 3PO, because he's a droid and speaks like six billion, six million forms of communication, I think he says. Um, it's six or seven. I know he said both. I just can't remember which at what time. Um, anyway, he uh, he says that he translates what they're saying for uh, Han and Luke and them, and he says that uh, he's embarrassed to admit that they meaning Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and somehow, I guess, R2-D2, are, are going to be the main course in a celebration feast celebrating his coming, celebrating his, his status as a deity. And uh, so they're going to cook these guys. They're going to cook our heroes and eat them up. And, you know, through, uh, through uh, a little bit of luck and the will of the Force, they, they get out of it. Then, all right, bear with me. Bear with me here. So then we jump to the end of the movie. We jump to the end of the movie, and uh, the Death Star, the second Death Star has been destroyed. The rebels are victorious. Vader uh, kills the Emperor, uh, redeems himself as Anakin Skywalker, saves Luke Skywalker, his son, uh, you know, at the cost of his own life. Great, great fucking wrap-up to the entire original trilogy, and you see the rebels are celebrating with the Ewoks. So there's all these like campfires going around and there's music and everybody's dancing and happy. But you see the Ewoks are playing some music. They're playing music on the discarded uh, helmets and armor parts of the defeated stormtroopers. Now, stormtroopers aren't really the hardest people to kill, but they're also not really all that willing to just be like, hey, have my armor. You, you, you win. Take my armor. So what I'm saying to you now is that where did this discarded armor come from? What happened to the people wearing the armor? They fucking ate them. They cooked them, and they're now serving them in a celebration feast to the, to the victorious rebel army. I promise you that's what happened. And everybody else, they just 
turning a blind eye to it. They're like, yep, mm, this is delicious. What, what is this again? Yup, 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 yup. 3PO, translate. Oh, I'd, I'd rather not. It's it's quite atrocious. Okay, yeah, whatever. This is fucking delicious. Mmm, yum nub. It's jamming out to yub nub. Hanging out in yub nub. Delicious. What is this again? Yup, nub. You know, in the victorious, the ghosts of Anakin Skywalker and Yoda and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi are watching. They're, they're, they're there. They're looking on uh, happily. As everybody celebrates, I, I, I mean, nobody can see them but Luke, but they're watching all these fight people fucking consume the sweet, sweet remains of their enemies and not saying a fucking thing. Nobody's saying a goddamn word about it. They're fucking eating people. You know, I, I don't understand how I got to be 37 years old without noting, no, noticing this earlier. This seems like it'd be right up my alley. This is the exact kind of fucking information that I would have been like, hey, I think they're eating those people, and I should have noticed it earlier. That's that's my fault. That's on me. That's that's my personal error. Shouldn't Luke, being a Jedi, have noticed that though? I think he should have fucking been like pretty aware. Like they, you know, he should have sensed that through the Force. He should have been like, like you know, grabbed like a like a fucking like hunk of meat to eat it, and then like been like like the Force should he should have sensed he'd be like, oh my god, these are stormtroopers. Oh my God, this is fucking uh, Admiral Jerjerod or uh, Commander Jerjerod. How we're eating him, and then yub nub, yub dub, dub dub dub, like that. You know, it should have been something that should they should have been aware of. Um, not even just made aware of, but something they should have just like Luke should have sensed. It's something that it 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 can't really be overlooked by any of these people. I mean, I know they're 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 like jubilant and celebrating the the destruction of the the second death star and the death of the emperor but um i mean come on there's a line be like, like i don't care how happy you are i don't care what type of victory you just uh, you just won i don't care what type of victory you just won if they just start bringing out cooked people you're not just going to be like, ah, you know what? We're partying. It's a celebration. Fuck it. Eat them. Eat them. Fucking Lando Calrissian. Fucking Billy D. Williams. Bring on out them dead people. They are cooked to perfection. Mmm, sweet. Han. Hey there, Han. Han, old buddy. Come on over here. Let's take a bite out of this fucking uh, stormtrooper together. Celebrate our victory. Come on, Han. Well, I don't know about that, Lando. I, uh, I'm kind of feasting over here on... Uh, the remains of uh, of Commander Jerjerod, and uh, he is filling. He is filling. So, you know, like, I don't see how this could be ignored. I don't see how they could, you know, fucking not have known. But, uh, yeah, th- those Ewoks are fucking total cannibals. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a given. That's a fucking, that is a 100% fact. I cannot, you can't argue that point to me now. You can't argue that to me. It's It's one of those things that once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Once you've heard it, you can't unhear it. And, uh, yeah, that's that's totally something. Like, you know, uh, that, that also being said, what specifically, you know, have the Ewoks been surviving off of? How many people, because there's those other Ewok movies that came out after Return of the Jedi, where, like, you know, like a family and, like, some kids, 
like end up on Endor. Like I think the movie is literally called the battle for Endor. And, um, you know, they hang out with the Ewoks and they help the Ewoks like survive. But, um, at what point did they not realize these Ewoks are fucking people eating cannibals? They're going to eat just whatever, you know, so long as it's not other Ewok, they're eating it. And, uh, guess what? Human people, you ain't Ewok. You're not Ewok. They're going to munch you up. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, actually, that would be a good movie to review. Fucking Battle for Endor. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Uh, okay, bad. Anyway, uh, not that you guys cared, but I, I've got I've to contact Billy Signs or Grimace or someone who wants to sit down and watch Ewoks, The Battle for Endor, and do live commentary over it. Just like I did for Killer Clowns and Super Mario Brothers. Um... It's going to be, it, it's going to be fun. Anyway, moving right along in this, uh, tri- <clears throat> in this Star Wars themed episode, which I don't know how it got to be Star Wars themed. I just, uh, you know, that's, it is what it is. Will of the force, as they say, young Padawan. Um, so I stumbled upon a drink. Now I, I quit drinking, like, you know, drinking, drinking a long time ago, but, um, you know, every once in a while, I'll be sitting at home, and uh, me and me and the uh, the girlfriend will will share a, a, a you know a few glasses of wine together, or uh, you know maybe like a mixed drink or two on on a, like a Saturday night. But um, I was online and I stumbled upon a mixed drink that is just fucking wonderful. So then I had to try it, and they are delicious. So delicious. And it is called a Qui-Gon Gin. It is a Qui-Gon Gin. So let's let's explain who Qui-Gon Gin was. And uh, then we'll get into the drink. So Qui-Gon Gin, played by Liam Neeson, was uh, the best Jedi ever, uh, possibly. Um, maybe not the most powerful, but definitely he, you know, from everything the prequels had to offer, which, you know, for the record, I do want to say that I've, uh, you know, since the, the sequel trilogy is finished, I have gotten way more into the prequels. I have got a new appreciation for them, but that's not, that's not for this episode. I'll save that for another time. And, uh, Liam Neeson played Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, he was the Jedi master who trained Obi-Wan Kenobi and discovered Anakin Skywalker, uh, he fought Darth Maul and was killed on the planet Naboo in episode one. But, um, you know, he, he, he is possibly the greatest Jedi of all time or the, the most, the most Jedi Jedi that there is the wisest, I should say, um, you know, cause he didn't really adhere to the whole Jedi code and all that, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, anyway, um, and the fact that he played by Liam Neeson just makes it all the better, but, uh, you know, so you're, you, you, that's who Qui-Gon Jinn was. So why is that important? Well, I, I stumbled upon the drink called the Qui-Gon Jinn. And what that is, is you get any form of smooth gin. Because they have dry gin, smooth gin, you know, things like that. You get any, any form of smooth gin. I'm assuming the more money you spend on the gin, the better it's going to taste. Um, that or it's just another way of conning people out of money for booze. But... But you take the gin and you put one part gin to two parts uh, Mountain Dew or any Mountain Dew ripoff, Mountain Lightning, Mountain Thunder, uh, Mountain Hump, Mountain 
crest mountain whatever mountain flakes whatever whatever mountain dew flavored ripoff you you want and you put them in there and you mix them together with one cube of ice it called for one cube i guess you could do two but i guess that might water it down one cube of ice so that way it's nice and chilled in a in a in a nice little you know like in a nice little tumbler or drinking glass or whatever you want to call it and um yeah they're delicious. Now, the reason it's called a Qui-Gon Gin is because it's green and his lightsaber was green. So, but they're delicious. Uh, me and me and the girlfriend spent a night. Uh, she had a few glasses of wine and I had discovered this. So I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to have me some Qui-Gon Gins. And, uh, they were so fucking good. And the thing is, is I got a little buzzed from it because we didn't have many. We're not pounding drinks like the way we did in our twenties. We're fucking almost 40 here. But, um, you know, I had, I had, I think three or four and I got the slightest bit of a buzz going on, but I, I, it, the taste wasn't bad. I didn't have that like nasty leftover taste in my mouth. I didn't have like a hangover the next day. It was really fucking good. I'm like, yeah, I could just sit back and kind of sip one of these. So, uh, that is now my new preferred drink of choice, the Qui-Gon gin. And, uh, Again, not that I'm a big drinker or anything, but I would like to go out and order that and just be like, mm, yes, I'll have me a Qui-Gon Jinn and just watch people fuck in, stare at me and be like, what are you talking about? And then I'll explain it to them and it'll be delicious. But yeah, so if any of you um, are drinkers or big drinkers and you're in the, uh, in the, on the lookout for a, for a new drink, if you're on the hunt for something to wet your whistle... I recommend the Qui-Gon Gin. Again, that is one part smooth gin, two parts Mountain Dew or any Mountain Dew ripoff, and one cube of ice in a uh, tumbler mix well and drink. Delicious. Mmm. Yeah, so that's the Qui-Gon Gin. It is a, it is a wonderful drink, and uh, it, it's perfectly named, and it's enjoyable. Just much like Liam Neeson playing Qui-Gon Jinn was. So, let's move on here. Let's move along and uh, see... Uh, yeah, you know what? Let's let's make this a Star Wars-themed one, but uh, this is going to be more very mentally irregular. It's, uh, you know what? Here's something I want to talk about. Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. Jabba? Jabba? Jabba the Hutt. So... Jabba the Hutt is, uh, again, going to Return of the Jedi. Um, small cameo in the remastered and re-released uh, original A New Hope. And uh, I think he cameos in episode one as well. Um, yeah, he does at the, the fucking pod race, which great fucking scene. That pod race is amazing. That was, I mean, the prequels were CGI heavy. And uh, the acting, not that good. I blame George Lucas Mainly because I've seen every one of those actors and actresses in other films. And they, they are capable of acting. They're, they're good. They are capable. Even Hayden Christensen and Jake Lloyd. I know a lot of people like to shit on them. But they, they are... Well, Jake hasn't acted since episode one. Because they people... You know, he was nine. And people shat on him. But I mean, come on. It's not his fault. He was a fucking kid. He's nine years old. You don't fucking... You know, I mean... I, I don't care who you are. Children are impossible to deal with. Uh, I know this because I'm a parent and my kid's impossible to deal with. But, you know, children are impossible to deal with and children actors are oftentimes more trouble 
than they're worth. But that being said, you know, a, the a, a, an actor's quality, what they bring to the, to any role, I entirely blame on the director and the screenwriter, because an actor's job is to basically embody a character as they're told by the person directing the film. And, you know, a lot of times you get directors who are just, they, they, they're, they're very, they've got a, a singular vision. Stanley Kubrick was notorious for this. They've got a singular vision and, you know, they, they just don't want any deviations from that vision. Now I'll, I'll agree that I will agree and consent or uh, concede the point that, yeah, the actor's supposed to bring that vision to life. So it's their job to make sure that they're doing it well. Yes, but there's only so much you can do well when you're fucking nine years old talking about midi-chlorians and having to ask that question and make it seem believable whenever fucking old George Lucas is sitting there, you know, he made all this shit up. In his head, this is the way it fucking is, you know? So I, I don't shit on Jake Lloyd or Hayden Christensen. I mean, I... I if you watch the prequels, a lot of people shit on them. And like I said, I've got a new appreciation for them. But go back and watch A New Hope. Go back and watch A New Hope. And listen, like, look at the way the fucking acting and shit was in A New Hope. Because it is just as bad as the fucking prequels are. And that's because it was directed by Lucas. That was the worst possible thing he could have ever done for Star Wars and the prequels is direct them. He should have written them, absolutely, and then hired you know, directors who were allowed to, you know, cover other basics and everything and let the, let the actors be a little bit more free with the dialogue to, uh, play around. Like that's one of the things that makes Empire Strikes Back so fucking amazing is that, you know, it was the first Star Wars movie not directed by him. Granted, it was only the second Star Wars movie, but it was the first Star Wars movie not directed by George Lucas. And because of that, you get a lot of fucking uh, really good fucking acting. The dialogue doesn't seem so forced. Even James Earl Jones' voice performance as Vader from A New Hope over to um, Empire has changed. He's become softer. Like in um, A New Hope, you know, Commander, tear the ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the prisoners. I want them alive. You know that and... Stuff like that. The only, like, little bit of nuance he had given, uh, like, that became almost systematic of what Vader became was, uh, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Which is, you know, I think that was the nuance they played with whenever they moved forward to Empire and Jedi. You know, is Vader, he's so intimidating that he doesn't need to yell. He can just talk to you. And, you know, things like, I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. You know, this is a dude that fucking strangles people to death through the Force when they apologize to him. When they fucking apologize to him. Go back to Empire. You know, that dude, that one uh, uh, Captain, Captain Nita. He loses the Millennium Falcon. He's like, you know, I, I will take full responsibility for losing them and apologize to Lord Vader. Then it goes, it cuts to that scene whenever he's apologizing and you just see him choking to death and falling to the fucking ground. And then Vader's like, apology accepted, Captain Nita. And, you know, like, he's just very, very, very subtle. And that's what made Vader so threatening. But in episode uh, four, in A New Hope, in the original, you know, he's, he's boisterous, you know, 
Today will be a day long remembered. It has seen the end of Kenobi. It will soon see the end of the rebellion. A small group of rebels have broken off from the main group. Follow me. You know, things like that. Uh, Vader was better in Empire and um, Jedi than he was in the original. And so was everything. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that different directors aren't George Lucas. So long as they're following the main storyline in the script that George Lucas has laid out, his singular vision, they're good. When Lucas gets behind the chair, he wants it to look exactly the way he sees it in his fucking head. And that's, no, 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 no. Because you're just going to piss people off. You're going to take a nine-year-old boy who has an idea of what he's supposed to be playing, possibly the most important character in Star Wars lore up to that point, and you're going to turn his life into a living fucking hell. The only reason Liam Neeson was so good is because he's fucking Liam Neeson. He's amazing at everything. You could literally... There's a, there's a TV show that was on HBO. It was called Life's Too Short, and it was like a... Like a Ricky Gervais came up with it, and it stars um, fucking Warwick Davis as the main character. And it's like a fictitious documentary look at the life of Warwick Davis, who, uh, you know, he was the, the little person who played... Um, the Leprechaun, and one of the Ewoks, uh, one of them cannibalistic Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. He's cameoed in a lot of things. He was Willow. He was Willow in another George Lucas film called Willow about a little uh, dwarf wizard. But, um, you know, it follows him around. And there's a scene where, um, you know, Warwick is in Ricky Gervais' office trying to get his, see if there's any work for him, and Liam Neeson walks in. And you know how Liam Neeson is such a serious actor? He's always taken to be so serious. He sits down uh, with Ricky Gervais, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, I've, uh, I've been thinking about getting into more comedy. And Ricky's like, oh, really? Okay. Oh, well, um, you know, no, people don't really look at you as a, as a comedic actor, Liam. And he's like, I know. I'd like to, I'd like to change that. I'm a funny guy. And I'd like to share that with the world. So he sits down and everything. They do some ad-libbing back and forth. Uh, Ricky's like, okay, well, let's see what you got. Let's do some ad-libbing and everything like that. And Ricky's like, let's, let's do a uh, routine. I'll be a doctor and you be my patient. And Liam Neeson comes in and the doctor's like, oh, not you again. You know, kind of like acting like the guy's a hypochondriac. And Liam Neeson gets offended as Liam Neeson, not as the in-character fucking, uh, you know, ad-libber he's supposed to be portraying in the in the bit with Ricky Gervais. He's like, what do you mean not me again? I've never been here before. It's like, no, well, Liam, that's, you know, back and forth. I, I, you're a hypochondriac. I'm like, oh, not you again, because I see you all the time. You've never seen me. Yes, this is my first visit. And, he, you know, he gets so serious and everything like that. And he eventually gets to the point. He's like, okay, all right, well, let's try again. Okay. Oh, oh hello, sir. How are, how are you today? What seems to be the problem? And Liam Neeson just goes, balls out, balls to the wall. He's just like, well, you see, doctor, I've got AIDS. Full-blown AIDS. And, you know, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, maybe uh, maybe we can do something a little less than, than full-blown AIDS. It's kind of taboo. We don't really want to touch on that. What, what do you think? Uh, maybe something else? And he's like, how about, how about you say that, you, you've got, that you've got a cold? And he's, he's like, oh, okay. All right, I'll do that. So then they, uh, then they started over again. He's like, knock, knock. Come on in. And he's like, oh, oh, it's you. What, uh, what brings you by the office today? He's like, like I said before, I've got full-blown AIDS. And he just, Liam Neeson just sticks to the full-blown AIDS thing. And he's getting progressively more threatening as the, as the bit goes on. It's fucking hysterical. And uh, that's, anyway, that's just a, 
an offshoot of why Liam Neeson is so fucking great. You can find that on YouTube or it's, uh, it was on HBO. If you get HBO, uh, it's called life's too short. And I think it was the first or second episode that that happens, but it's fucking, it's, it's hysterical. Um, so, uh, but anyway, yeah, Liam Neeson brought that shit to fucking life because he's Liam Neeson. Um, you know, so I don't blame any of the actors for the prequels being as bad as they were. I blame George Lucas and his obsession with going so heavy on the CGI in the prequels because he could, um, you know, you didn't, he didn't need to do that. There's, there's something to be said about actual sets, acting on actual sets that are good. Like, um, you know, I, I know Terrence Stamp has said many times he played Chancellor Valorum in, uh, episode one. He's also General Zod in Superman two. Um, he said many times that, you know, when his first day on episode one, he was excited because he got to act with Natalie Portman and, um, he gets there and it's all just a big green screen CGI room. And he's like, Oh, okay, George, where's, where's Natalie? And George Lucas points to an orange fucking star on the wall and goes, that's Natalie. And so he was not thrilled with that. You know, a lot of CGI, very heavy on the CGI, even to the point like their surroundings and shit were CGI, which, uh, you know, irritated a lot of the actors because they didn't really, how can you really get your performance in there? And I know that it's becoming an art now, nowadays, because of the way things are. But, you know, 1999, it was still relatively new to do like a full green screen background and shit like that. Full, full stuff with without other actors being there, at least to, um, you know, get the dialogue back and forth. And, you know, so... George Lucas's obsession with CGI and having to create his singular vision the way he sees it in his mind, which I'm sure is constantly changing, for me, is the biggest problem with the prequels. And I think they could have been better if he had uh, eliminated like certain dialogue things that he insisted upon. Like episode three, you know, he did not need to insist on Anakin right before the fight with Obi-Wan saying that he has brought freedom, peace, truth, and justice to his new empire. Didn't need to, didn't need to say that, you know, he could have just had him be like, you know, I don't want another lecture, Obi-Wan. I've brought peace to the galaxy. What have you done? What have the Jedi done? You know, something like that. That would have been a little bit more free, free flowing, would have sounded better, wouldn't have been so forced, you know, just throwing it out there. It's an idea. Anyway. Um, so what was I talking about? Yeah. Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. So, uh. Yeah, Jabba the Hutt. I'm pretty sure Jabba the Hutt is a sperm. Like, I'm pretty sure he is a living, breathing, giant, galaxy, far, far away space sperm. People say he's a slug, but, you know, I don't know no slug who's so obsessed with, uh, you know, kidnapping, dancing slave girls. Now, that seems right up the alley of a fucking sperm. That seems exactly what a sperm would do. So, uh, yeah, I believe that Jabba the Hutt is a giant space sperm. And, uh, that's why he's obsessed with, uh, you know, like dark, dark, moist places, uh, dancing slave girls. Um, he's kind of got that weird erotic relationship with Salacious Crumb, who's always like sitting in the fat folds of him and like staring at his tail. Um, even his, uh, even, um, uh, what is it? Bab Fortuna? His uh, little fucking like right hand man with the uh, you know the wrapping tentacles and like stuff. Even he's kind of a little effeminate. So you know Jabba's into that kind of stuff, which uh, you know there's a little bit of eroticism there, and that's that's more sperm territory than it is slug. So um, you know I think Jabba might be a giant space sperm, 
And uh, that's why he's so obsessed with these things. Uh, you know, also the uh, the pit of Carcoon, the nesting place of the all-powerful Sarlacc, which really not that powerful if you think about it. I think only like five people got eaten by the Sarlacc, and it was all, they were all, most of them were dead by the time they went in there, except for Boba Fett, who, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Boba Fett escaped or not. Uh, I'm guessing he didn't. But I'd like to, maybe that, that would actually be a cool thing set up for the Mandalorian, have a, an escaped Boba Fett show up. Because he is a, well, I mean, he's a clone, but he's a clone of a Mandalorian, uh, Jango Fett, and have him encounter the actual Mandalorian. That would be pretty cool. But um, anyway, that's neither hither nor thither. Anyway, yeah, I believe Jabba's a space sperm. And uh, I believe his ultimate goal is to, you know, get fame and fortune so that he can impregnate everybody with his, uh, with his vile offspring. Like, didn't he lick Leia's neck at one point? And then again, he makes her wear the gold bikini. And uh, he had that uh, green dancing girl that was wearing basically like a, like a, light, like a light mesh bodysuit dancing for him during the music routine. Um, you know, he's a, he seems like a fucking spermy guy. He seems, he seems kind of creepy, which is exactly what a space sperm would be like, in my opinion. As a matter of fact, I'm so convinced that Jabba the Hutt was a space sperm, a giant evil space sperm. That from now on, I'm going to call having sex, I'm going to call fucking jabbing the hut. Be like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to jabba your hut. What? Matter of fact, yeah. <laughs> jabbing your hut. Ooh, I'm going to jabba your hut. We should all start calling it that. Uh, yeah. From now on, everything's going to be, every sex is, form of sex is now being called jabbing the hut. And we're all going to do that. And, uh, well, not together, but I mean, that's, I want you all to start saying that next time you, next time you get it on, tell your, uh, significant other or your partner of the, t- of that time that, uh, Ooh, yeah, baby, I'm going to jabba your hut and just see what their reaction is because that's going to be fun. Now, if it ruins the sex for you, I apologize. I'll, I'll repay you somehow. I don't know how, but, uh, if it, if it, if it doesn't, then yes. And it won't because I, you know, this is the element of surprise. Of course it won't. Telling someone you're going to jabba their hut is is possibly the best thing I've invented today. Um, so, yeah. Without further ado, I, uh, I would like to discuss Emperor Palpatine and, uh, you know, just the whole thing with him coming back in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So... You know, uh, the movie's been out for going on two months, uh, a little over two months, actually, and there's been uh, more information coming out since the film has been released about how the Emperor survived than there was in the actual film. In the actual film, he's just there. You know, he said his only explanation is that the dark side is a pathway to many abilities some would consider to be unnatural. Great line. You know, re- reused again from episode three, whenever he's talking to Anakin at the uh, opera. But, um, you know, great line. But that that's the only explanation you get, is that uh, the dark side is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. So, since then, through comic books, uh, discussions about deleted scenes, um, the actor Ian McDiarmid coming out with uh, stuff about uh, that was removed from the script and the official novelization being released, we've, we've come to, they've revealed that uh, Palpatine was, in fact, a cloned body 
that the uh, upon death, the emperor used the dark side to adhere his soul to. Ray's father is, you know, uh, the emperor's son. But by son, they mean a failed clone body that uh, housed no midichlorians and thereby the emperor could not attach his soul to. So it was just allowed to live. Um, so that kind of makes him her, her grandfather and dad at the same time. You know, he's, he's his own, he's his own grandpa. She, she's, he, her, her dad is also her grandpa. So, you know, that's kind of incestual, um, and gross, but, uh, you know, there's that. And then, um, you know, just a whole bunch of information they're releasing after the fact, uh, mainly due to a lot of backlash over how stupid it was to, to bring him back as the main villain in the end when it very clearly could have been Kylo Ren or, you know, Snoke could have been Darth Plagueis or something like that. You know, there was they, there was a whole world of opportunity. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. And I know it's the unpopular opinion. Um, the Last Jedi setting up so much shit that they could have used. It, it freed up the player. It, it freed up the fucking table for them to just do anything. And what they chose to do was go, nope, no, 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 nope, no, no. We, we're, we're going back to the shit we set up in uh, in Force Awakens. You know, sorry, Ryan. Sorry, Ryan Johnson. Uh, we're not doing that. Um, you know, I, I loved The Last Jedi. I thought it was a fantastic uh, movie. I thought it was an, a great Star Wars film. I thought it took the the uh, series in a brave, brave new directions. I loved the portrayal of uh, Luke Skywalker, um, you know, because he wasn't like just this wizened, you know, exiled uh, hermit like Obi-Wan Kenobi was. He, he was bitter, and it made sense why he was bitter, because, you know, Luke and the whole Skywalker family, uh, obvi- you know, made obvious through Leia's, um, in the original trilogy, her, her uh, propensity to get angry and uh, over a lot of things, and Anakin's fall to the dark side, and then Kylo Ren's um, fall to the dark side. The whole Skywalker family has, and, and Luke almost falling to the dark side uh, during the battle with Vader at the... Uh, end of Jedi, the whole Skywalker family, how many times can I say that? The whole Skywalker family, the whole Skywalker family has had a propensity towards anger and fear, which leads them down the path to the dark side. So it would have, um, made perfect sense that, you know, upon failure, Luke become uh, the failure of his Jedi, uh, raising a new, uh, generation of Jedi and the destruction of his Jedi temple, that Luke would be, you know, pissed off and angry and kind of run away because that, that's, that's perfectly in character for him. And I know a lot of people will say, Oh yeah, but then he'd, he'd come out of it. Well, he did. It just took some fucking time. You know, this is the biggest failure of his life. And as, as a uh, Yoda's ghost tells him, ghost Yoda tells him later on, you know, you know, Heard you not, hear you not any, what I say. Pass on what you have learned. Strength, yes. Power, yes. But also your failing, your failures, because failure is the greatest teacher. And let me ask you this. Has anybody ever done something and not succeeded at it? And, you know, you got two options at that point. You either quit and give up, or you learn from it. Sometimes you learn from it a little later than you'd like to. You know, sometimes you fail at something and you're like, oh, fuck that. I don't want to fucking do this shit no more. So you take a break, you know, and then maybe, maybe a week later, maybe a month later, maybe several years later, you know, something about what you did and failed at gets brought up and somebody hits you with some wisdom and you're just like, 
oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. Fuck. And then you learn something from it. That's exactly what happened with Luke. You know, he was disillusioned. And I think a lot of it comes from people, from him talking shit on the Jedi. But, you know, put yourself in his shoes. If I were, if I were Luke Skywalker and I had, you know, my, my learned that my father was the second most evil person in the galaxy and that, uh, you know, I am being brought up as a Jedi mainly to fight him and then, you know, being told, pass on what you've learned. So I try to do that and take people down the right path. And then I fail at it. I'd be pretty, uh, pretty fucked up over that, you know? And especially, you know, I think the death of a lot of his students, these are people that Luke devoted himself to taking care of, to raising right as Jedi. And, uh, you know, to basically, he made a commitment to their lives. And now because of his nephew, the one that he's closest with, closest with because of the familial bond um, is the one that turned to the dark side and, and destroyed all that, killed them. So, you know, that would fuck somebody up. I don't care who you are. If you, if you promise to take care of somebody and you fail at that and that the result of that is their death, you're going to get pretty fucked up for it. And that is exactly what happened to Luke. And it was a member of his own family that did that. And it was in a lot of ways, his own fault. Because, like he says in the movie, you know, he looked into uh, Ben's heart and he saw that Snoke had already turned it. And he said, you know, in the fleet, in the in the briefest moment of instinct, he thought because he was Luke Skywalker and the, you know, he started to believe in his own legend that he could stop it. And it passed over him in a second and he was left with shame and consequence because Ben had woken up probably due to the sound of the lightsaber igniting and was terrified. And because of that, that only confirmed in Ben what, you know, Snoke had been telling him is like, yes, you know, with this guy, it is no good there. This is not the way, the path. And, you know, look at that, look at that from, try to put yourself in those shoes and look at that from, from that standpoint. Nobody is fucking perfect. Even the Jedi aren't perfect at the height of their power. They allowed Darth Sidious to rise and create the emperor. They met with Chancellor Palpatine on, during the Clone Wars on like a daily fucking basis to get updates and shit like that. Yoda was always in his fucking office and shit like that. And he's always working very closely with the Jedi. He's the fucking dude they're after. And he's masked, you know, himself right in their fucking presence while he's basically controlling both sides of the fucking war. Dude was, you know, I'm not advocating his evil because evil cannot be allowed to flourish. But dude was fucking, he masterminded that shit better than any fucking buddy ever, ever could have. And he succeeded. You know, they, so I, I get where Luke is in fucking Last Jedi. And I liked a lot of that. I loved a lot of that movie. I thought it was a perfect Star Wars movie. And then, you know, the whole destruction of Ray's parents. Who are they? Who are Ray's parents? Oh, they're nobody. You're nobody. You know, that's, that's what Kylo says. He says, they, they were nobody. You're nobody. You have no part, part in the story. But not to me, you know, and that kind of opens it up as, yeah, she, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. You don't need to be a Palpatine or a Skywalker to be strong with the force. We, you know, look at the Jedi that came before them, the Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, Mace Windu, uh, all them. Were any of them Skywalkers? Nope. Were any of them Palpatines? Nope. But they were all, you know, great Jedi. There's, for a thousand generations, there have been Jedi, you know, longer than that. Yoda says for not for 800 years, have I trained Jedi? my own counsel will I keep on who is to be trained. He's trained tens of thousands of people. And, uh, 
you know, so you don't need to be a Skywalker or a Palpatine to be fucking, you know, strong in the force. And that was, that was, that was an excellent choice on my, from my point of view. Um, you know, again, another Obi-Wan Kenobi quote, a lot of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. And, uh, you know, from my point of view, I thought that was a fantastic choice to make. Make make sure that Ray is not a Skywalker. Take her out of the picture. Um, you know, but then they made her a Palpatine, which you know, weird. Not not didn't make a lot of sense, but okay. You know, that's what that's the way they wanted to go. That's that's what's canon now. So uh, you know, I loved the Last Jedi. I thought it set up a lot of stuff for um, you know where uh, what ultimately ended up being the Rise of Skywalker could have gone. They didn't go those routes, but you know, that's fine. Uh, you know, just so long as the fans are happy, fan service, you know, I personally don't believe in fan service. I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, being creative means that you're not listening to other people telling you what to do. You're, you're, you're hearing them and you're taking that in and being like, okay, well maybe I could do something with that, but you're, you're not adhering to what they want. You know, I mean, weird kind of off subject thing is you look, you look back at WrestleMania, I think it was 30, uh, Daniel Bryan's big, big win. You know, the fans, uh, Daniel Bryan was so hot at that moment that the fans w- had to have him be in the main event and the WWE made that happen, but it, it destroyed the plans they originally came up with. So that was all fan service. And yeah, that worked out, that works in something like pro wrestling, but that doesn't really work in like, you know, long-term storytelling through a movie. If you just listen to what all the fans want, they're all going to want something different. Like I said a few episodes back, whenever I was saying about the uh, spamming the cat box, the the um, suggestion boxes at work. You know, that's why management doesn't have a fucking line like a deli counter of people coming in to complain and give their ideas about how things can be better. Put it in a suggestion box. They will read it. And if they like some of it, maybe they'll use it. If they don't, maybe they won't. You know, they're not they don't get time to sit in line. And I feel like that's what JJ Abrams did is he just, he, he opened up the fucking deli counter and it's just like, okay, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, two pounds of lightsaber fights. Okay. Excellent. Oh, oh, okay. You want some, uh, you, you want some egg salad, egg salad Palpatine. Got it. Got it. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Oh, Ben, Ben Solo redemption arc. Okay. Oh, oh, Raylo. You want, you want to ship some Raylo? Okay. I'll throw a little bit of that in there. Um, Okay. Oh, we want more Han Solo. Okay. I'll call Harrison Ford. I'll bring him right back. Uh, you know, everything like that. I feel like they, a lot of it was thrown, thrown in there haphazardly and, uh, they didn't, they barely used anything from the, uh, screenplay that Colin Trevorrow, who was originally supposed to direct that movie wrote, um, which you can find that script online and read that if you'd like to, it was completely different from what we ended up getting. It was called, uh, he was going to call it the duel of the, or duel of the fates. Um, and it was going to, again, end the Skywalker saga. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very satisfying read if you ever get a chance to read it. Um, and I recommend it. Um, where was I going? Right, right, right. Palpatine. Palpatine. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of this information has been coming out after the fact. And, um, you know, I, 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 think it's a, I think it's a strange and weird way to let people know what was going on in a movie that you could have just put the shit into. Yeah, it would have been a little longer, but who gives a fuck? People would have sat through it. We sat through three hour, three hours of fucking Avengers Endgame, and that was satisfying every goddamn minute. So, I mean, I think when it comes to Star Wars, everybody would have sat through it and been like, yes, 
Yeah, that's fucking excellent. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not everybody's going to agree. You know, we've all got our own point of views. And again, a lot of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. So, um, you know, facts of life. What may be right for you may not be right for some. We don't all move to the beat of just one drum. Take the good, you take the bad. Take them both and there you have. Facts of life. So, you know, Palpatine, you know, he's this epic Sith Lord. He was trained by Darth Plagueis, um, you know, who discovered the ability to cheat death, which is, again, why Snoke being revealed as Plagueis would have been fucking awesome, especially since he apparently was killed in The Last Jedi. would have been a fucking great twist as, you know, death means nothing to him. No, instead it's Palpatine who cheats death because why not? Let's bring back the big bad of the of uh, the entire trilogy, each trilogy. So, no, I mean, I will admit that having Palpatine be the main villain for all three trilogies is a nice little, you know, it does tie them up nicely, is that, but it also kind of negates everything that Vader did in, um, you know, episodes one through six, being the chosen one to destroy the Sith and, uh, you know, bring balance to the Force. I mean, really think about it. If Vader's entire character arc was, you know, him supposed to be have, shouldering this fucking burden of being the chosen one who brings balance to the force, and then he finally does that at the cost of his own life by destroying uh, the Emperor, you know, there's your, there's your balance. Vader did it. That's his story arc is done and, you know, perfect. And then, oh, wait, nope. Eh, Emperor kind of survived that. It, it just, you know destroys his entire, it, it unvalidates everything, everything that Vader had done up until that point. So, you know, it's like, nope, no, he wasn't. He, he just, he, he, he tried his best, but he couldn't get the job done. And, uh, that, I, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, but that's just, again, my opinion. But so, uh, you know, that, that's, that's my thoughts on, uh, on the emperor being, uh, his own, his own son and, uh, fathering his own grandchild, which is, yeah, again, uh, when you really think about it, kind of incestual and, uh, kind of gross, but, um, you know, and then again, there's that line whenever Ray's fighting, I, I mentioned Avengers Endgame, there's that line when Ray confronts Palpatine at the end and he says, I am all the Sith. And she says, and I am all the Jedi. Um, yeah, that's a, you're just stealing lines from fucking Endgame now. You know, Thanos, I am inevitable. And then, you know, Tony, and I am Iron Man. And he snaps his fingers. Uh, shit like that. You just literally lifted that and switched uh, inevitable to all the Sith and Iron Man to all the Jedi. You, just, you had this exact same con- confrontation. And... Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I, I will admit that I do like that uh, Ben sacrificing his life to bring Ray back from death. Is, it kind of shows that he succeeded where Anakin failed in stopping people he loved from dying. But, uh, you know, it's, it's why you didn't need to. I mean, it, it, was, it was a cool scene, but you didn't need to. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Those are my thoughts on uh, some Star Wars stuff that I just wanted to talk about. I hope y'all enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Uh, 
you know, before I let you go, of course, I do want to again mention that uh, upcoming in a few few short weeks, I will have IWC wrestler uh, BC Steel on the show with me. Um, actually, he's becoming a, becoming a friend, and uh, you know, we're going to talk some pro wrestling. That's going to be fun. Um, so, any pro wrestling fans out there, uh, probably going to want to tune into that one. And, uh, you know, as before I let you go, I'd like to, of course, uh, you know, promote, uh, you know, plug some of my, uh, my friends podcasts here. We've got a fireside chat hosted by our friend, Ryan McCormick, uh, Grimace. And, uh, that is on Libsyn. Please listen to that. It's a great podcast. It's a conversational podcast. Uh, part, it's mostly part audio journal. And then every once in a while he, he hits you up with just like, you know, an event that happened to him or, you know, like, uh, there was an episode where he talked about, uh, him and uh, him going to see, uh, Corey Feldman's band perform. And that was fucking great. That's a few years old now, but it was, it was a fucking great episode. Um, so yeah, you know, check out a fireside chat again, hosted by Ryan McCormick available on Libsyn. Uh, there's the McSauce comic book podcast hosted by Ian Hall and Matt great podcast, uh, very popular, available on podcast, and uh, I think they're still doing stuff for YouTube. They're actually going to be having a, uh, a another podcast, uh, you know, a, a side podcast for McSauce come out soon, um, which you actually are going to have to subscribe to, and it's kind of like their After Dark stuff. It's going to be like, um, you know, uh, short discussions, and it's going to be like extended content, so it's going to be... Uh, available soon. Look out for that. The first four episodes of that I know are going up on their regular feed on Podomatic though. So you can always check that out there. And if you like it, then subscribe. If not, then, uh, you know, just listen to regular McSauce. I, either way, whatever you want to do. Um, but you know, check out McSauce, no matter what you do, check out McSauce. Uh, there is Case in Point hosted by Justin Case. And, uh, that is available on Audioboom. Check that out. And then there is Lunch After Dark. Uh, hosted by Cody and Mark. I called him Matt on the last episode. I apologize. It's Cody and Mark. Uh, that's also on Podbean, um, where you can also find this podcast, The Element of Surprise. So check that out. Good podcast, funny stuff. Uh, uh, very much like what I do. They, they talk about some weird fucked up shit going on in the world, and uh, they elaborate on that at length. So it's good stuff. And, uh, ooh, my, my uh, old buddy Mark Rego has a new podcast. Uh, which I don't think he's given it a title yet, but it's, uh, it's, um, I know he records it through Anchor, and I, I posted the first episode on the EOS group, so he's going to have more episodes of that. It's just going to be, like, music mixes and stuff like that, stuff that he's worked on to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe if you're heading to work, maybe you want some jams. Maybe you don't want to hear me ramble on about God knows what. Maybe you're not in the mood for an audio podcast or a uh, verbal discussion podcast. Maybe you want to just jam back to some tunes and maybe Mark Rego will be the guy to bring those tunes. So, um, you know, keeping a lookout for that. I'm going to find more information on where that's going to be hosted at and I'll pass that on in the future. Um, okay. That is that. May the force be with you and cue the fucking bear music. (laughs) 